0: Section forty six of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section forty six. The Sinner by Shalom Ash. So that you should not suspect me of taking his part, I will write a short preface to my story. It is written. A man never so much as moves his finger, but it has been so decreed from above. And whatever a man does he fulfills God's will. Even animals and birds, Lahavdil, carry out God's wishes. Whenever a bird flies it fulfills a precept, because God, blessed is he, formed it to fly, and an ox, the same when it lows and even a dog when it barks, all praise God with their voices, and sing hymns to him, each after his manner. And even the wicked who transgresses fulfils God's will in spite of himself, because why? Do you suppose he takes pleasure in transgressing? Isn't he certain to repent? Well then, he is just carrying out the will of heaven and even the yetzerah the evil inclination himself why every time he is sent to persuade a jew to sin he weeps and sighs woe is me that i should be sent on such an errand after this little preface i will tell you the story itself formerly before the thing happened he was called reb Avraham. But afterwards they ceased calling him by his name, and simply said, The Sinner. Reb Avraham was looked up to and respected by the whole town, a God-fearing Jew, beloved and honored by all, and mothers wished they might have children like him. He sat the whole day in the Beshamed Resh and learned, not that he was a great scholar, But he was a pious, scrupulously observant Jew who followed the straight and beaten road. A man without any pride, he used to recite the prayers in shul together with strangers by the door, and quite quietly without any shouting or, as one may say, any special enthusiasm. His prayer rose to heaven, the barred gates opening before it till it entered and was taken up into the throne of glory. This prayer of his did not become a diamond there, dazzling the eye, but a softly glistening pearl. And how, you ask, did he come to be called the sinner? On this wise. You must know that every one, even those who were hardest on him after the affair, acknowledged that he was a great lover of Israel and i will add that his sin and uh, heaven defend us his coming to such a fall all proceeded from his being such a lover of israel such a patriot and it was just the simple jew the very common folk that he loved he used to say a jew who is a driver for instance and busy all week with his horses and cart and soaked in materialism for six days at a stretch, so that he only just manages to get to his prayers, when he comes home on Sabbath and sits down to table, and the bed is made and the candles burning and his wife and children all round him, and they sing hymns together. Well, the driver dozing off over his sidder and forgetting to say grace, I tell you, said reb avraham the divine presence rests on his house and rejoices and says happy am i that i chose me out of this people for such a jew keeps sabbath rests himself and his horse rests keeps sabbath likewise stands in the stable and is also conscious that it is the holy sabbath and when the driver rises from his sleep, he leads the animal out to pasture, waters it, and they all go for a walk with it in the meadow. And this walk of theirs is more acceptable to God, blessed be he, than repeating, ba nafshi es adonoi Bless the Lord, O my soul! It may be this was because he himself was of humble origin. He had lived till he was thirteen with his father, a farmer, in an out-of-the-way village, and ignorant even of his letters. True, his father had taken a youth into the house to teach him Hebrew, but Reb Overeham, as a boy, was very wild, wouldn't mind his book, and ran all day after the oxen and horses. He used to lie out in the meadow, hidden in the long grasses. Near him the horses with their heads down pulling at the grass, and the view stretched far, far away into the endless distance, and above him spread the wide sky through which the clouds made their way, and the green, juicy earth seemed to look up at it and say, Look, sky, and see how cheerfully I try to obey God's behest to make the world green with grass. And the sky made answer, See, earth, how I try to fulfil God's command by spreading myself far and wide. And the few trees scattered over the fields were like witnesses to their friendly agreement, and little Overhom lay and rejoiced in the goodness and all the work of God. Suddenly. As though he had received a revelation from heaven, he went home, and asked the youth who was his teacher, What blessing should one recite on feeling happy at the sight of the world? The youth laughed, and said, You stupid boy! One says a blessing over bread and water, but as to saying one over this world, who ever heard of such a thing? Avraham wondered, the world is beautiful, the sky so pretty, the earth so sweet and soft. Everything is so delightful to look at, and one says no bracha over it all. At thirteen, he had left the village and come to the town. There, in the study house, he saw the rosh hayeshiva sitting at one end of the table, and around it the scholars, all reciting in fervent appealing tones that went to his heart. The boy began to cry, whereupon the Rosha Yeshiva turned, and saw a little boy with a torn hat crying, and his hair coming out through the holes, and his boots slung over his shoulder like a peasant lad, fresh from the road. The scholars laughed, but the Rosh asked him what he wanted. To learn, he answered in a low, pleading voice. The Rosh HaYeshiva had compassion on him, and took him as a pupil. Avraham applied himself earnestly to the Torah, and in a few days could read Hebrew and follow the prayers without help, and the way he prayed was a treat to watch. You should have seen him. He just stood and talked as one person talks to another, quietly and affectionately, without any tricks of manner. Once the Roche saw him praying, and said before his whole academy, I can learn better than he, but when it comes to praying I don't reach to his ankles. And that is what he said. So Reb Avraham lived there till he was grown up, And married the daughter of a simple tailor. Indeed he learned tailoring himself, And lived by his ten fingers. By day he sat and sewed with an open prayer-book before him, And recited portions of the psalms to himself. After dark he went to the study-house, So quietly that no one noticed him and passed half the night over the Talmud. Once some strangers came to town and spent the night in the study-house behind the stove. Suddenly they heard a thin, sweet voice that was like a tune in itself. They started up and saw him at his book. The small lamp hanging by a cord poured a dim light upon him where he sat while the walls remained in shadow. He studied with ardour, with enthusiasm, only his enthusiasm was not for beholders. It was all within. He swayed slowly to and fro, and his shadow swayed with him, and he softly chanted the by degrees his voice rose his face kindled and his eyes began to glow one could see that his very soul was resolving itself into his chanting the divine presence hovered over him and he drank in its sweetness and in the middle of his reading he got up and walked about the room repeating in a trembling whisper Lord of the world!" Then his voice grew as suddenly calm, and he stood still as though he had dozed off where he stood for pure delight. The lamp grew dim, and still he stood and stood and never moved. Awe fell on the travellers behind the stove, and they cried out. He started and approached them and they had to close their eyes against the brightness of his face, the light that shone out of his eyes. And he stood there quite quietly and simply, and asked in a gentle voice why they had called out. Were they cold? And he took off his cloak and spread it over them. Next morning the travellers told all this, and declared that no sooner had the cloak touched them than they had fallen asleep, and they had seen and heard nothing more that night. After this, when the whole town had got wind of it, and they found out who it was that night in the house of study, the people began to believe that he was the tzaddik, and they came to him with petitions as Hasidim to their rebbes, asking him to pray for their health and other wants and when they brought him such a petition he would smile and say, Believe me, a little boy who says a brocha over a piece of bread which his mother has given him, he can help you more than twenty such as I. Of course his words made no impression, except that they brought him more petitions than ever, upon which he said, you insist on a man of flesh and blood such as I, being your advocate with God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Hear a parable. To what shall we liken the thing? To the light of the sun and the light of a small lamp. You can rejoice in the sunlight as much as you please, and no one can take your joy from you the poorest and most humble may revive himself with it, so long as his eyes can behold it. And even though a man should sit, which, God forbid, in a dungeon with closed windows, a reflection will make its way in through the chinks, and he shall rejoice in the brightness. But with the poor light of a lamp it is otherwise. A rich man buys a quantity of lamps and illuminates his house, while a poor man sits in darkness. God Barhu is the great light that shines for the whole world, reviving and refreshing all his works. The whole world is full of his mercy, and his compassion is over all his creatures believe me you have no need of an advocate with him god is your father and you are his dear children how should a child need an advocate with his father the ordinary folk heard and were silent but our people the Chassidim, were displeased and i'll tell you another thing i was the first to mention it to the rebbe long life to him and he, as is well known, commanded Reb Avraham to his presence. So we set to work to persuade Reb Avraham and talk to him till he had to go with us. The journey lasted four days. I remember one night the moon was wandering in a blue ocean of sky that spread ever so far till it mingled with a cloud, and she looked at us pitifully and appealingly, as though to ask us if we knew which way she ought to go, to the right or to the left, and presently the cloud came upon her, and she began struggling to get out of it, and a minute or two later she was free again and smiling at us. Then a little breeze came and stroked our faces, and we looked round to the four sides of the world. And it seemed as if the whole world were wrapped in a talis woven of mercy, and we fell into a slight melancholy, a quiet sadness, but so sweet and pleasant it felt like on a Sabbath at twilight at the third meal. Suddenly, reb Avraham exclaimed, Jews. Have you said the blessings on the appearance of the new moon?" We turned toward the moon, laid down our bundles, washed our hands in the little stream that ran by the roadside, and repeated the brachas for the new moon. He stood looking into the sky, his lips scarcely moving as was his wont. Sholem Aleichem, he said, turning to me and his voice quivered like a violin and his eyes called to peace and unity then an awe of reb avraham came over me for the first time and when we had finished sanctifying the moon our melancholy left us and we prepared to continue our way but still he stood and gazed heavenward sighing Re lord of the universe how beautiful is the world which thou hast made by thy goodness and great mercy and these are over all thy creatures they all love thee and are glad in thee and thou art glad in them and the whole world is full of thy glory i glanced up at the moon and it seemed that she was still looking at me and saying, I am lost, which way am I to go? We arrived Friday afternoon and had time enough to go to the mikveh and to greet the rebbe. He, long life to him, was seated in the reception-room beside a table, his long lashes low over his eyes, leaning on his left hand while he greeted incomers with his right. We went up to him one at a time, shook hands, and said Shalom Alechem, and he, long life to him, said nothing to us. Reb Avraham also went up to him, and held out his hand. A change came over the Rebbe; he raised his eyelids with his fingers and looked at Reb Avraham for some time in silence, and Reb Avraham looked at the Rebbe and was silent too. The Chassidim were offended by such impertinence. That evening we assembled in the Rebbe's study-house to usher in the Sabbath. It was tightly packed with Jews, one pushing the other, or seizing hold of his girdle. Only beside the ark was there a free space left, a semicircle, in the middle of which stood the Rebbe, who prayed. But Reb Avraham stood by the door among the poor guests, and prayed after his fashion. To Kiddush, called the Shamus. The Rebbe's wife, daughters, and daughters-in-law now appeared, and their jewellery, their precious stones, and their pearls sparkled and shone. The Rebbe stood and repeated the Kiddush. He was slightly bent and his grey beard swept his breast. His eyes were screened by his lashes, and he recited the kiddish in a loud voice, giving to every word a peculiar inflection, to every sign an expression of its own. To table! was called out next. At the head of the table sat the rebbe, sons and sons-in-law to the left, relations to the right of him then the principal aged jews then the rich the people stood round about the rebbe ate and began to serve out the leavings to his sons and sons-in-law first and to the rest of those sitting at the table after then there was silence the rebbe began to expound the torah the portion of the week was Bamidbar, chapter eight and the Rabbi began, When a man's soul is on a low level, enveloped to heaven defend us in uncleanness, and the divine spark within the soul wishes to rise to a higher level, and cannot do so alone, but must needs be helped, it is a mitzvah to help her, to raise her, and this mitzvah is especially incumbent on the priest this is the meaning of the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick by which is meant the holy torah the priest must bring the jews heart near the torah in this way he is able to raise it and who is the priest the righteous in his generation because since the temple was destroyed the saint must be a priest for thus is the command from above that he shall be the priest. Avraham," the rebbe called suddenly, Avraham, come here, I am calling you. The other went up to him. Avraham, did you understand? Did you make out the meaning of what I said? Your silence," the rebbe went on, is an acknowledgment. I must raise you even though it be against my will and against your will there was dead stillness in the room people waiting to hear what would come next you are silent asked the rebbe now a little sternly you want to be a raiser of souls have you bless and preserve us bought the almighty for yourself do you think that a jew can approach nearer to god blessed be he through you that you are the handle of the pestle and the rest of the jews nowhere god's grace is everywhere whichever way we turn every time we move a limb we feel god every one must seek him in his own heart because there it is that he has caused the divine presence to rest everywhere and always can the jew draw near to god thus answered reb avraham but our people the rebbe's followers shut his mouth before he had made an end and had the rebbe not held them back they would have torn him to pieces on the spot. Leave him alone, he commanded the Hasidim, and to Reb Avraham he said, Avraham, you have sinned. And from that day forward he was called the sinner, and was shut out from everywhere. The Hasidim kept their eye on him and persecuted him, and he was not even allowed to pray in the Bes Resh and i'll tell you what i think a wicked man even when he acts according to his wickedness fulfills god's command and who knows perhaps they were both right end of the sinner by sholem ash